Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama. This is your first and final spoiler alert. Peace. I hate the word. Adam. Adam. Hello and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama. It's a podcast where each week we watch one thing starring the most underrated actor in the history of the entire world, Mr. John Leguizamo. My name is Mish Wittrup and you might know me from... Being in line at the COVID testing at Northland Shopping Centre mm-hmm. yesterday because uh, I felt sick, but I just got my results back and I'm corona free, which is great. Yeah. And I'm joined as always by my dear friend, Zachary Wayne, who you will know from... Um, uh, being in line at... Uh, oh my God, this is an ominous sign. What's that? Just nothing. Nothing funny. (laughs) We're at podcast three. (laughs) Zach, when you suggested that at the start of when I'd intro myself that we should Mm. say something that we've been in, I have a total of three things Mm. that I can say. Mm. And I think I've said them all already and we're on episode three. Mm. So I've run out now. I'm dry. Yeah, well, I've got like two things really. Yeah, but um, you could just keep repeating one of yours and it still sounds impressive. Uh, like there's only so, we there's only so recaps, many times mate. there's we only so many times recaps. I can say that's true. There's only so many times that I can say I am a graduate of University of Ballarat Arts Academy before people start going, I don't think that's as cool as she thinks it is. No. You know what I mean? I think it's very cool. Do you know who graduated from the Ballarat Arts Academy? Joe Kosky did. Zach Rewayne. Yeah, Zach Rewayne did too. <laughs> Yep, exactly. <laughs> I do know that because we went there. Yeah, um, we, we used yeah. to watch MasterChef together. Season two, I believe, was we used we to love MasterChef. Do you want to do a podcast about it? That's such a good idea. <laughs> I think I, I think that's a good idea and would make me happy. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea and something that we definitely wouldn't regret. <laughs> um, putting a lot of emotional time into you know what i mean i gotta tell you mish um i'm worried that we've made the same mistake again but that's about the movie we're about to watch so we'll talk about that um oh yeah cool (laughs) (laughs) um how are you How, how have you been other than getting tested for covid yeah not too bad i woke up with a bit of a scratchy throat and a runny nose and i was like well that's it that's <laughs> like, it like i was like oh that's it i got it like mm. i'm i've got i've got the rona and um but there was a very small part like such a small part but a very very small part of me that was like you know if i do have it mm. that's makes for a very good instagram story yeah you would um you would be able to be like 
you'd be able to become those like guys this is not it's not i had not a joke this is not a joke Mm. Like day one on the Rona, like my mm. nose just won't stop dripping, like that kind of stuff. And then like day seven, this was real, guys. This is a real thing. Mm. I reckon I'd gain at least 30 followers. Totally. If you did like a like a tweet thread about it, mm. that I think people I'd, would love to give that a share. I'd like to think that I'd it would get popular enough that someone like Gail King would share it. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Like on Twitter. Mm. Get a Twitter share. And be like, be like this girl who, you know, is living her best life despite the fact that, you know, she caught the the, the coronavirus. The, uh, you know. You know what I mean? It's a bad thing, the coronavirus. Um, if you're mm. listening in the future, um, hello. Yeah. Also, I'd hope that this doesn't come across as incredibly insensitive. Oh, it um, does. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't. Just to be clear, I'm not going out there and doing stupid shit. Like, you don't want like the coronavirus. Licking, licking old people or like going to raves. I haven't done that in months. <laughs> I'm being very, very responsible. Um, but I also got my results back and I don't have it. That's so good. I'm, I'm just going to have to stick to doing Instagram stories that are full of thirst traps. And witty, witty puns about my tits mm, and stuff like it. that. You know, that's and who my knows, brand. Mish? Uh, you could have gotten it since you got tested for it. Who knows? No, I haven't left my apartment since I got tested for it. That's 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 a good point. That's a yeah. I've point. I've been going a bit stir crazy. Thank God I've got quality cinema to keep me entertained. <laughs> oh boy, should we just jump into it? Should I we think just so. jump in? All right, I'm gonna yes. describe the film. So this oh, week, wait, do you want to tell me how you've been? I've been fine. I mean, I'm in my house. I'm not doing anything. I'm watching yeah, John Leguizamo films. I think I need yeah, to go same. for a walk. Yeah, fair. I uh, I made um, uh, made one pot, one pot pasta last night. It was lovely. One pot pasta intimidates me. I'm because tell I feel you. like I would I would fuck up the liquid ratio. Oh, it's that is that is. The- <laughs> Yep, I'm glad we didn't go on and talk about body count because now we're going to talk about one pot pasta. Um, I love it. I think it, it has been a revelation for me. Uh, the ratios are hard to get right. I, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be real with you, Mish. It always feels a little full on, but it's pretty great. It's pretty fantastic. Everything's all goopy. It's the it's the best way to make pesto pesto pasta. No, You're, it's not. What's that? I don't like the concept of goopy pasta. But it's not goopy. It's not goopy. You just said it. You I just used the said wrong that. word. You just said that. Can I retract my statement and apologize? Because because you are my fr- because you are my good friend. Mm. Yes, you may. So I'm going to retract my statement and I'm going to apologize unreservedly. It is not goopy. I was okay. wrong to say it was goopy. <laughs> it is uh, creamy. Okay. It the the uh, not the gluten. What what comes out of the pasta? Starch. The, the starch of the pasta. If you're cooking in a low enough amount of water and you're not throwing out any of the water, the starch is all there. So it means that with a very minimal amount of like saucy things it becomes a sauce really really easily like i can put two spoonfuls of pesto on a, a like 
like a few sprinkles of cheese and it becomes like a sauce. Uh, and I believe you could do the same without cheese. You could add a dash of almond milk. <laughs> I, what, what I would say, Mish, and yes, to anyone listening, this is what you're in for. If you're here because you like Auntie Donna, John Leguizamo or Ballarat University. Or if you just went, hmm, I wonder if there's a podcast about the 1998 film Body Count. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> oh my God, there is one. Who is Zach and Mish? What, and and why are they talking? Hello. 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 <laughs> Firstly. It's us. How are you? My name is Zach. This is my friend Mish. Hi. And you're goddamn right. We're going to talk about one pop pasta for the next 20 fucking minutes. Go fuck yourself if you have a problem with that. But if you did tune in to hear about Body Count, the 1998 film, we, we w- will eventually talk about it. We will get to it within the hour. We're just going to do some really enthralling one pot pasta bants <laughs> before we get to the movie. Because what has happened, if you're listening and you're not familiar with recaps with Mission Zach, our old podcast, uh, or you're not familiar with the previous episodes, we have decided, Mission I, to start recording the moment we see each other. Yeah, because via Zoom. We felt like we were wasting gold in the pre-podcast conversation. What I'm now, no one would have thought that today, if we hadn't pressed record, we probably would have talked about one pot pasta by ourselves without an audience. But what I'm I'm actually realizing is exactly that, Mish. Um, it's very normal for two people to talk about one pot pasta. To two go, people that have spent a lot of time together, that have known each other now for like t- 10 years. 10 years, yeah. You get to a point where your conversation is about one pot pasta. If you're, but that is the kind of thing that would happen one-on-one over a friendly Zoom chat or on the phone, not necessarily in front of the five or six people that tune into this podcast the, who have... Arguably, already stopped stopped listening. <laughs> it's very true. Unless, Mish, mm. they are a vegan mm. who misses creamy pasta mm. and has thought, well, gee whiz, maybe the starch of a one-pot pasta is the answer. In but which case, arg- added bonus. My argument is I don't, I've never cooked a one-pot pasta. Don't get me wrong. I know how to do it. I've seen plenty of tasty videos on Facebook yeah, I, that I show me how saying. to do a yeah. sun-dried tomato one-pot pasta. Yeah. Um, but I don't like it. Yeah. I cook my sauce separately. I cook my pasta separately. Yeah. I take about two to three ladles of starchy water. I put it in a measuring cup or in a yeah. cup, a mug often. Yeah. I then drain the pasta, put the pasta in the sauce, and then slowly add the starchy water. I think it is a trustworthy method. Mm-hmm. I believe I create a creamy sauce that way. I'm all about the starchy water. Okay. I know about the starchy water. Okay. This ain't my first bloody <laughs> pasta rodeo. <laughs> um, I, I know about it. I just don't trust a one-pot pasta. So what I'm going to say to you, Mish, and again, to our listeners, we'll get to body count. I know yeah, you're all here. Calm down. I know you're calm all here going, down. talk about the 1998 crime thriller Body Count. That's why we're all here. <laughs> and we will. We will believe get to me. Body I count. did not watch that film for no reason. 
We will get okay. a body count. Yeah, if we don't talk about body count, I will hate what I did <laughs> this morning for uh, an hour and a half while watching that film. There would be no point to it. So trust me, we will talk about body count. We're going to get to but body me count. Me and my friend Zach are just going to have a quick chat <laughs> about why he likes one pot pasta and why I don't. So if you excuse us for a minute, go for on. For just Zach. one goddamn minute. And why do you have to be so rude about it? There's no need to be fucking rude. I don't get to see Zach in person at the moment. We're in the middle of lockdown. For those of you listening in the future, this is lockdown period during that that crazy COVID-19 experience. I haven't seen my friend Zach in a while. I just want to have a quick chat with him. Do you mind? Can we just talk about one pop pasta for one goddamn second? One second without one of you interrupting us being like, but what about body count? <laughs> I can't handle the pressure right now. It's a lot. So um, here's what I would say uh, about one pop pasta. Um, I've seen the tasty videos as well. I'm not talking about the tasty videos. I think what the tasty videos are proposing to replace are like a saucy sort of tomato-y type experience. And on that front, I think they're wrong. What I'm talking about is a very specific kind of pasta. Uh, the <laughs> Go on. Like a pesto pasta or... For me, I know you're a vegan, but I will mention this last night. I made like an Italian sausage, pea, broccolini kind of uh, lemony type thing. Yummy. Um, you know, those sort of um, uh, those less saucy, more lemony, fresh kind of pastas. I hear you. Uh, that That is where the one pot pasta, I think, really shines. Um, and why I believe it is the best option. And I have to say two weeks ago. Misha, yeah. I wouldn't have believed you. I would have been with you. What I would say for those types of pasta is you are keeping all of the starch. All of that starch but goes into that But then that's what sauce. makes it, that is what makes it gloopy. That is what makes it gloopy. I'm going to raise Too my much hand. Th- I'm going to raise my hand, Mish, and I'm going to say I was wrong on the gloopy. No, but I'm not wrong on the science. Mm. And the science is if you can, if you maintain the like the the all of the starch in one pot yeah it's risky you're almost guaranteed a gloopy pasta and gloopy pasta sounds like shit look i'm gonna i'm gonna uh hand you that i'm gonna give you that what i would say is for a very limited range of things for example you know a pesto pasta a mac and cheese or mm. like a like a sort of lemony fresh Italian sausage and pea <laughs> sort of situation. There is some merit to the one pot pasta. When we get out of this, if we get out of this alive, mm. I'd love for you to come round. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll record a podcast. Maybe we won't. And I'd love to make you a one pot pasta, Mish. All right. I'd I all right. I'd eat it. I would come over and I'd eat it. And you know what? Maybe I'll be eating my words. <laughs> Anyway, do you know what I'd really like to talk about now? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'd love, love to know. Uh, it's Body Count, the 1998 crime thriller Body Count. I would love to tell you about Body Count. And guess what, Mish? Because mm-hmm. this is a professional podcast, because this is a slick podcast, Yeah. I've prepared the, the paragraph. Yeah? Did, which website are you reading it off? Um, I took the bulk of it from uh, Wikipedia. Yep, cute. Uh, although I did take 
I did reword the second sentence and I added the last sentence. I wrote that myself. Oh, that's ex- I'm excited. And I also like I just added a few little gags. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm one ready. gag. Okay. <clears throat> Body Count is a 1998 crime thriller film starring David Caruso, Linda Fiorentino, George Leguizamo, Ving Rhames, Donnie Wahlberg, John Leguizamo, Forrest Whitaker and John Leguizamo. The film, which was directed by Robert Patton Spruley, tells the story of a group of thieves who, after an attempt to rob an art gallery, backfires and one of the men winds up dead, head down south, running afoul of the law. Along the way, they meet up with a seductive con artist with ideas of her own. John Leguizamo plays Chino, a short-fused crim who is very crazy and unpredictable. (laughs) That was a pretty good description of the character John plays, to be perfectly honest. um, I think it is. Hey, look. Right up the top, what I'm going to say is Leguizamo was in it a lot. Yeah, straight up. Like, he was in it a lot more than I thought he would be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I thought he'd be in it a bit less than he was, but because I had never seen this film, I'd never even watched the trailer for this film, <laughs> um, I just assumed that he wouldn't be such a major role. But fuck me. He was in like, it. It's nice, to, it's nice to watch another John Leguizamo film where he's just, like, in it. Start to finish, he's just in it. That's what I think is really like exciting. Is there's there's I haven't probably seen uh, a lot of my favorite films. A lot of the, the the spaces where I fell in love with John Leguizamo as an actor, he's been like third or fourth build. You know, it's yeah, him yeah. in Romeo and Juliet, and it, it, so it's it's exciting to see like Leguizamo as even lead or at least very close to lead. Very close to. I would argue that Ving. Ram, Rams? Ving Rames. Rames was the, he's the lead in this. Yes. Right? Yes, I would agree with that. I would say Ving Rames is the lead in this. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a bit of an ensemble film. Um, it's very similar. Uh, if, if you haven't seen the film, it's very similar, I would say, to there was a, another film from that decade called Reservoir Dogs. Have you seen Reservoir yeah. Dogs, Mish? Of course. So, so this film was very similar to it in plot, structure, character, tone, dialogue, <laughs> um, mm. uh, <laughs> cinematography. No, it was, it was, that's a very good point. I'd never even thought about that. It was very, very close to. I reckon... Yes, the movie is called Body Count because mm. they leave a bunch of dead bodies mm. on their journey to, to you know, whatever the financial was. freedom. Yeah, lot of dead bodies. Body Count. Body Count. Arguably, this movie could just be called just men yelling at each other. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> like it's just it's a lot a lot of men just yelling at each other. <laughs> For various reasons So like a scene will start And everyone's quite calm and having a chat Guaranteed by the end of that scene They're they're all yelling at each other What I would say, (laughs) Nish, in response to that Is um, To to anyone who hasn't seen the film 100% Yes, there is a lot of men yelling at each other But I don't want someone walking away from this podcast Thinking that that's all This film is Um because I don't want to reduce this film to just men yelling at each other. It's also from time to time men being cool. 
being oh, really yeah, it's cool. Very cool film. <laughs> it's very, very cool. Um, I likened it to maybe it was because Ving Rames. Mm, I believe so. Uh, was in Pulp Fiction. And I guess this is the link to your Reservoir Dogs thing. It's around about that time where uh, action films, I suppose, or thrillers were very, very conversational and there was a lot of witty banter to and from two very cool characters or three very cool characters. Very Quentin Tarantino-esque kind of like, it was just, it was a thing, like a couple of characters having chats in a car. Yes. Like with cool dialogue. The only problem was was with this film is that it was written really badly <laughs> and that the dialogue wasn't great. Um, and it was just like quite angry, but cool. It was very cool. So, very so they would cool. like do things like murder people or do bank robber robberies, but they would do it cool. So like if I was yeah. to rob a bank, I would like go in and be like, Oh, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm, or an art gallery. Sorry. That's what it's about. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm robbing an art gallery. Oh, you know, Oh, it's intense. I'm murdering a person. Um, yeah. Uh, some of the characters, they would do those things, but they would be cool about it. They'd be like, hey, what's up? Bam. <laughs> yeah. Or they would say lines like, I don't got to pay for pussy. Do you want to know why? It's because I've got a big dick. That is verbatim. <laughs> what is a line from the film? Mish, I missed that line because it was cooking one pot pasta while I was watching That's it. That's fine. That was when Donnie Wahlberg... <laughs> Oh, I know the scene it was in. Yeah, it was I'm in so sad. Miss- waiting for the train. What were they doing? Waiting for a bus? So, so many scenes shit. in this movie. Like I, I was watching it with my so partner. So many scenes. What's that? <laughs> there were just so many scenes. So many scenes. I was watching it with my partner. She said two things. Two things that I think are of note. Uh, Annie Ferguson. I think I should credit her. Two things that are of note. One she said was. Um, Cause she was unimpressed and she didn't really understand why we were watching this film. <laughs> like it was just on. <laughs> and then she was like, the first thing she said was, is there really going to be a scene, like a whole scene about whether they, where they decide for no real dramatic reason, whether they're going to drive or catch the train. And yeah. I said, the answer to that is yes. Yes. But guaranteed that scene starts with a, a cool conversation and ends with men yelling at each other. <laughs> A lot of yelling and then like one person being like, I'm too cool for the yelling. And that person often being David Carradine from CSI Miami. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that was mental that David Caruso, I believe it is. Is it David Caruso? David Carradine. I'm sorry, is is Bill from Kill Bill. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking of a Quentin Tarantino movie. David Caruso looks like a pharmacist. He is the most unintimidating human being on the planet. Granted, I never saw him in NYPD Blue or whatever the show was that he was. What show was he on? I Criminal Minds. Literally, one no of those. Idea. One of those crime shows. But in this film, David Caruso has the ability to intimidate, like a pharmacist does. <laughs> that was my oh, reading on him. What I will say is that. <clears throat> What your partner said is completely right. Every single scene starts with them trying to make a decision about how they're going to get somewhere. Halfway through is some attempted witty dialogue. Then someone tries to kill one of their mates. Mm-hmm. And then Ving steps in and says, don't do this. You all need and to then calm it just goes, down. Everyone needs to calm down. Yells at them and says, don't do this. You all need to calm down. 
I'm bigger and stronger than you. And then they're all like, yep, that's fair. And then the next scene is them trying to decide where to go (laughs) and how to get there. Then one of them tries to kill one another. It's like it was the same scene over and over again, just a different, just one one was in a car, one was in a convenience store. (laughs) It was just the same scene um, over uh, and over again. It was a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. I believe Michelle (laughs) Wittrippen... That was uh, that was the other criticism, um, and he said, "I got uh, I I shouldn't just quote the person I watched the film with, but then I don't want to be like um, uh, who was uh, who was that uh, that dude that stole all of his uh, all of his uh, poet wife's material? What was her name? What was his name again? Oh, the one who wrote Frankenstein. No, I'm thinking of another man who stole all of his writer wife's oh, material. Um. <laughs> Sorry about There's that. There's a lot of them in history. There's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Who are you Oh, Ted about? Hughes. Ted Hughes stole... Oh, okay, yeah. um, what's her name? What's her name? Everyone loves it. The one you like, if you're listening, the one you liked when you were 16. Anyway, um, uh, I don't want to do that. So I have to credit every time I s- say anything she said or else I'm, I'm one of those guys. Uh, the other thing she said, which I thought was of note, was she was like, this, the problem with this film, this film has two problems. It has too much plot and no plot. And I was like, <laughs> that is so accurate. It's the last quote. The last. She I'm going to bring original ideas from here. Because that is exactly what this film was. It's that just is like, exact, It was just a whole like a whole bunch of the same conversation, which is cool men talking about their feelings and their futures, but it's kept really butch because they all punch each other afterwards. <laughs> That's like, but that was kind of the film. Also, really strange flashbacks to Forrest Whitaker. Oh yeah, Forrest Whitaker is in this film. What a cast! Like, firstly, I'm going to say, like, a great cast. Amazing '90s cast. Like the the most '90s cast you can ever get. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker. If you think if you, if you haven't seen this film and you haven't, let's be honest, like no one has. If you haven't seen this film, before we tell you everyone who's in it, which isn't a lot of people, it's quite a small cast. If you can assume five men in a car doing a heist film, who are they? Yep, you got it right. It's Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> it's John Leguizamo. It's David Caruso. It's Ving Rams Rames Rames. Rames, Rames, and it's... I think, fucking... look, oh, God, if I'm saying it wrong, then I'm going to look like a prick. I've never heard his name said. Yeah, I've just always right. assumed that. But for for the record, if you're wondering who, who that is, it's Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction. It's uh, John Leguizamo. It's um, Mark Wahlberg's brother. It's yeah. CSI Miami. <laughs> <laughs> That's who it is. That's who it is. Mm. Um my goodness me, what what a funny little film. So much. Like, it's just, like, constantly moving. It's constantly moving. There's constantly stuff happening. Constant, like, yeah. gear changes, people always dying. And then yeah. just, like, n- literally, like, nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> like- but, well, firstly, so... Obviously, I was about to say spoiler alert, but if you're listening to this, you you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Forrest Whitaker dies, right? He gets shot. Mm-hmm. Um, technically he gets shot at the start of the story, but because it's all like, it's not a circular narrative, it, 
happens. Is that right? Circular narrative? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. There's flashbacks. Because it's not all in order. There's flashbacks. <laughs> we don't find out the Forest Whitaker dies until the end. However, it's incredibly obvious that he's dead because he's not there with them. They talk about killing one of them. And during the flashbacks, he's there. <laughs> so <laughs> when he died, there was no big shock horror. Oh my God, Forest Whitaker died. Because we knew that. It's Except they built it like we were supposed to be like shocked and horrified when he got killed. It's literally so the movie, the structure of the movie is is like uh it it opens after the after the um heist is over and it's gone wrong. Like yeah. uh, that film Reservoir Dogs. And then it has <laughs> the, the everything falling apart amongst the group. Like that film Reservoir Dogs, except instead of it being a contained story in one room in real time, it's as they travel south to get the money for their their art. And then like that... That's what makes it different to Reservoir Dogs. (laughs) And then like that film Reservoir Dogs, there's flashbacks throughout it. Mm. But instead of that film Reservoir Dogs, where the flashbacks are to before the heist and it gives you an idea of characters and how they got there, it's to during the heist... And yeah. it gives you an idea of what it looked like when everything they told you about in the opening scene. <laughs> yeah. Like it's literally. Like rather, than, no, rather than building any form of character, you just got a flashback to a few days ago when they punched each other the same way they do now. <laughs> literally, the start of the movie is like, oh my God, that heist went wrong. John Leguizamo, you killed people. Um, um, uh, this is the group and, uh, Forrest Whitaker isn't here. Uh, you sh- th- this is really bad. The cops are after us now. Mm. Uh, and off we go. And then the flashbacks tell us just nothing that that, that didn't tell. <laughs> like, yeah. and genuinely you could take the flashbacks out yeah. a good 20 minutes of runtime, take it out. And I'm, I swear you would lose nothing. Oh, the only point of having the flashbacks was so that they could be like, hey, look, we can afford Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was it. That was the point of the flashbacks was to be like, oh, money. <laughs> we have it. And we got Forrest. Can I? Um, um, it, it was just the, the flashbacks seemed really dumb. Can I also say, mm. though, that this movie only ran for an hour and 24 minutes. Lovely. That's shorter than some Disney films. Can I say as well? And yet they treated it like it was a two and a half hour epic. Can I say as well? Um, I uh, uh, Just quickly, an hour and 24 minutes is a poorly edited student film. <laughs> <laughs> that's a short film. That's not, that's not me fucking around. For an action thriller, an hour and 24 minutes is short. Yeah, like when it's because I, I, anything under 90 is short. Yes. But what I was... It's meant for children. Anything under 90 <laughs> minutes, you're going to assume is aimed at children. Do you know what I would say, though? I, I was going to come in and say, like, oh, how lovely that was. Like, like I don't know. So many movies now, they're like, chuck another half hour in it. Chuck another half hour in it. That'll make it better. I was like, no, nah, it just makes it half an hour longer. I was like, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a mediocre film, make sure it's choppy. Yeah, <laughs> make sure it's yeah. like. Oh, however, I'm, I'm I'm one hour and twenty four hour uh, one hour and twenty four minute movie has never felt so long. Like it was <laughs> like it felt it felt like a two hour. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My favorite bit in the whole movie was after uh, uh, John Leguizamo. I love this part, talking about favorite bits. <laughs> My favorite bit in the whole movie is after John Leguizamo dies. By the way, I'm thinking of putting a spoiler alert at the top of every podcast. Um, so, Just uh, in case someone's like, I'm thinking of watching Body Count. <laughs> I think that the best way I could decide whether this film is good is to listen to two Australian comedians talk about one pop pasta for 45 minutes and then ruin the ending of Body Count for me. I think that's, that's how... That should be our... That should be our, like, motto. Mission Zach's Leguizamorama. We talk about one pop pasta for 45 minutes, then ruin the end of Body Count. <laughs> Then ruin the end of a movie you've never seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is good. Anyway, go on. After John Leguizamo dies. So after he dies, there's like this slow zoom up and fade to black that like wasn't done in, wasn't done uh, like on location. It's like a zoom up on the still film image. So he yeah. dies, he gets shot. And then, like, the cops go past him in this really clunky way. And then there's a slow zoom up on the still image of dead John Leguizamo. And then it fades to black. And then the yeah. ending is so special as well. Like It's so special. So that it's... Because the magic of this film as well mm. is that none of the characters are redeemable. So you don't actually care who comes out on top at the end. No. I want none of them to. No. So... Uh, they pick up this woman who's like a hitchhiker because, of course, we've discussed this previously, there has to be a sexy love interest (laughs) in every 90s film. Any film pre-2005. Yeah. So they pick up a female... She's not hitchhiking. Her car broke down. Mm, mm. And they pick her up. And but what they didn't expect was that, yeah, she's hot, but she's also a little bit sassy. (laughs) (laughs) And she's not going to take your shit. But at the same time isn't going to tell the police when they're standing right in front of her what is going with a gun, what is going on, are you safe? She's like, yep, totally safe. Because you fucking idiot. here's the thing, she can hold her own amongst yeah, the boys. That's right, that's right. And her way of holding her own is hitting on all of them and making them all think she's interested in each of them individually. At what but point? Ving, but Ving knows better. Ving knows better. <laughs> yeah, Ving's he got, got her. He got one up on that stupid bitch. That's kind of how the film was made to look like. Yeah, she fooled all those men, but not Ving. He's smarter than her, fucking idiot. I loved uh, uh, the ending, I think, was one of my favourite endings of any film. Because, so yeah, it all travels along. Uh, People die. (laughs) People die. (laughs) People die. Um, it, it, I think the film was kind of going for like a, like a Reservoir Dogs, how can everyone end up dead at the end of this? How can everyone, yeah. not that it, everyone ends up dead in, in Reservoir Dogs, I, I, I gave no spoiler alert for that, but how can this deteriorate that badly? 
Um, but instead of like the reservoir dogs, like 10 little Indians sort of like tension and, and release of like, oh man, this is all going to, it's just like literally just a bunch of unpredictable, uh, psychos killing each other for, <laughs> for an yeah. hour and a half. Um, it gets having to the really full on conversations about it before they do it as well. <laughs> like full on, like. John Leguizamo standing over David Caruso. Firstly, he tried to kill him with a bullet, but then they realized that the movie was only an hour and five minutes, so they needed to keep David Caruso around for a bit. So the bullet didn't kill him. It just made him really sore. So then he goes to a bed, and then John Leguizamo just walks in. It's like, hey, remember when I tried to kill you before? I'm going to do it again. They have a conversation for about five minutes. Then John Leguizamo shoots him. No, smothers him. him. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it it. There's a lot of, in this movie, like um, they've mistaken like, unpredictable with a poorly sketched character (laughs) with with lack of motivation. (laughs) Um, But but anyway, everyone's killed everyone and it's just Ving Rhames and woman who can hold her own, which I suspect we're going to encounter a few of them in, in these, in this uh, series. Really strong female characters. (laughs) That's my question is at what point, at what point in society, I reckon it was around 2013, did it become, um, yeah, my female characters can hold their own. Did it become, no, my female characters can hold their own. <laughs> she's holding her own. She's, she's, she's one of the boys. <laughs> um, Go so on, she, tell the Ed, because the Ed is fucking great. So she, like, pulls a gun on Ving Rhames and she's like, oh... You didn't think I wanted to split the money with you for all the art because they they're going they're going to Miami to sell the stolen artwork and she's like you didn't think I'd go all the way with you and he's like oh I thought you loved me and she's like nah I reckon I'm gonna take this art to New York and get a mill for it and then he's like that's a shame and she's like get out of here and he's like all right and then she drives off and then he um, pulls from out of his pocket a handful of bullets which any any viewer would be able to tell with the bullets from her gun and it would indicate very uh, subtly that he had the bullets. <laughs> he knew she wasn't going to kill him and that would be a bit of a twist. Yeah. But um, clearly an executive <laughs> along the way said, why, why is he holding bullets? What do the bullets represent? So they've added additional dialogue recording um, as, of, of, of Ving Rhames as he holds the bullets going, ha she didn't think I'd let her shoot me, did she? I took the bullets out of her gun. (laughs) Let's just add, that convention had not been used once in this film. (laughs) There had been no narrative, like there'd been no narrator-esque role. No. He would just, all of a sudden they were like, oh, how can we just put a voiceover? So Ving was probably called about maybe two months after this film wrapped to be like, hey man, we really need you to come in to do a quick voiceover. (laughs) So he says this, uh, I think the implication is that Ving Rames is like chatting to himself like, (laughs) I got the bullets to myself and then it cuts back to him. And then they were like, really the reason we've called you into this recording is because we want to end. We want to end on something good and we want some clarity. And he walks off with his artwork. I think it was all meant to be just a visual. No, he went to put his arm in a jacket. Oh yeah. Yeah. He went to put his arm in the jacket and then there was a piece. There was one of the artworks in the jacket. Something you couldn't have missed. Like (laughs) when you... (laughs) When you picked up that jacket, took it to the car, then had a fight with your new girlfriend, 
she kicks you out of the car and then you go to put on the jacket you're like oh what's this oh it's an a3 canvas <laughs> folded up in the arm of my jacket it wasn't like oh it's a little piece of paper with a clue to where the art is it was a piece of fucking artwork <laughs> on a thick thick canvas folded not even to a small amount like folded Just three wrapped times up in there yeah <laughs> That's since that's like me trying to sneak out like a roll of Christmas wrapping paper, like in, in my jacket. And <laughs> yeah, and no just one like, would why th- is your sleeve like as like thick and stiff? Stiff. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so he takes out the artwork and off he walks into the sunset. But they added like uh, narration over the top of it, and I, you would think they would add something like, because we understand what's going on here. He's got the art; he can sell it. Um, we know what's going on. They add narration at the end where there has never been narration. Would have kind of been good to have some at the start, but no, that's fine. And then it's like, okay, so maybe they're going to end with like, I'm halfway through this, like literally 30 seconds of narration. And I'm already thinking, all right, they're going to make a point. This film is this film, which so far (laughs) has evaded any reason for existing is going to make its point. And I'm going to go, oh, and literally the dialogue. I don't know. Do you have it written down? Um, no, the last thing I wrote down was her last line to him when she kicked him out of the car. She goes, hey, Pike, which was his name, by the way. He turns around and looks at her and this is her moment. She can have like her big moment where she says like, because every other character in this has said something profound or at least they attempted to. Hers was, hey, Pike, Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. (laughs) Oh, what I do remember him saying is like, I oh. ended up taking that painting to Miami and I sold it for a clean mill. That's right, a clean mill. Oh, don't worry about it. Yes, I'm alive and I've killed people and I encourage my friends to like beat the shit out of each other. But I'm also a really good guy because I gave everyone a cut of their money, except for John Leguizamo. <laughs> that is literally how the movie ended. There was no point. There was no like reason. Uh, John Leguizamo was a live wire character, but no more evil than about three or four. Three of the characters were ki- like were bad. They, they were all they, horrible. They, I would no, say they... David Caruso's character was a nastier person than Leguizamo. Leguizamo was just a, a loose unit. Like Caruso was like yeah, probably quite had a bit of a shit life. Like didn't know yeah. any better. Protective instincts, that kind of thing. David Caruso is just a cunt. David <laughs> Caruso is like a narcissist. Leguizamo is like a, a loose cannon, you know. But whereas like yeah. Caruso is like a like a serial killer vibes. What was Donnie Wahlberg? <laughs> he was in it for a bit and then he was dead. So <laughs> that was Donnie, mo- Donnie Wahlberg's character. They tried during that whole like, oh, I would never pay for pussy because my dick's so fucking big. I don't need to pay for pussy. During that. Donnie Wahlberg tried to have his five minutes where he said something about like everything in the world costs something. Yeah. Like you have to, co- like everything costs every- something, even pussy. That was meant to be his five minutes, but it was the most ridiculous stream of words I'd ever heard. <laughs> it's like someone typed in a sentence that made sense in Microsoft Word and then thesaurus the whole thing. <laughs> and like poor Donnie, like when he read that script, was he just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, this is this is my moment. Poor Donnie's never really had one, to be fair. <laughs> poor um, Donnie. Poor Donnie's never had one. But, like, what a ridiculous waste of character. Why was he there? I reckon there's someone in this film... Just to right, be the number one on their body count. There's whatever. someone in this film that said no to um, Reservoir Dogs because they didn't get it because they were like, 
It's just people chatting and then a lot of murder. And then they were like, fuck, if ever I get another chance to be in a film like Reservoir Dogs, I best say yes. Yeah. And I reckon someone in this cast had that experience. And then I reckon that was probably Donnie. Yeah. He's like, look, I'm not feeling this script, but that's how I felt about Reservoir Dogs. And he did this. (laughs) It's like, no, no, they're different. They're very, very different. (laughs) Different films. This Um, is very different. So that's, that Um, is the final image. That is the final image is Ving Rhames walking off into the sunset and not saying something. Because he ends up calling the cops on his girlfriend. Yes, right. This girl, by the way, that they've developed, they're talking about wanting to be together for the rest of their lives and stuff. Again, only met 24 hours ago and she saw him kill someone. She's cool with it. And also, like, it's been very violent and very tumultuous and just very strange that they would develop a relationship. But then when she's like, I'm going to sell the artwork myself because I've got all the artwork in the backseat of my car. And then he was like, well, see ya. And then it's all revealed that he had the bullets. He then calls the cops. So while she's driving down the road, she gets stopped by cops. Did you say that already? No, no, I didn't realise he called the cops. I just thought he was like a chill unit and lucky for him she was I the one that... I assumed that he called the cops. Right, yeah. So so as he's walking off, it's like you're expecting this profound line and he literally just tells you what he did next. The ending <laughs> of the movie is just him going, so then I sold the artwork, I split it uh, with the families of the people that died Except for um, uh, except Chino. for John Legu- Chino, um, I didn't split it with Chino's brother because Chino's brother wouldn't know what to do with it. And I'm like, okay. And then it's like duh, 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 credits, and I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> like the dialogue literally, literally adds nothing. It's um, but how great was Leguizamo? Yeah, great. Quality. What I will say, a genuine like tip of the hat to Leguizamo, <laughs> is that he is very, very good at handling shit dialogue. Mm. Mm. He like, like really gives it his all. Yeah, but also like he just knows that it's a bit shit. That's my that's my guess on him is that he's quite smart. Yeah, and he's just like this was definitely like got to pay them bills. Still got that burn from Super Mario Brothers five years ago or whatever. Got to pay those bills. I'm gonna do this Donnie Wahlberg film. <laughs> And like, you know, it'll be fine. But he does do very good things with shitty dialogue. Can I tell you a a story, Mish? Just a quick story. And I feel like this will encapsulate what this film was for me. Of course. Um, So in first year university, as as we've said in other podcasts and even on this podcast, we went to the University of Ballarat or now Federation University Arts Academy. We studied acting. And when I was in first year acting, I was uh, 18 years old and me and some of the other 18 year olds thought, wait a second, Reservoir Dogs, which is a really cool film, is all set in one location. Do you reckon we could adapt it into a play? <laughs> and uh, a group of 19 year, 18 and 19 year old boys, uh, I, oh I would God. list all of their names for you, Mish, because it would be very funny to you, but... I would say that it 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 would be too niche for the, even this podcast to list the names of everyone that was going to be involved. But a group of 19-year-old Australian boys were going to put on a play of Reservoir Dogs because we thought it would be cool. Uh, and then the head of the university said, no, you can't do a play about <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. She said because... Uh, 
we don't allow first years to do pre-existing works. It's important for you to focus on your performance skills, not on, mm. on plays. Oh, um, that's but, not why she said But that. I think what she <laughs> meant, wish she could say was, because that's the fucking lamest thing I've ever heard in my fucking <laughs> life, you little boy. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, that's so good. I'd forgotten. I didn't know that. that. I've uh, never heard that story. I had forgotten entirely. Is this with people from the that I know? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. All the, oh, my all, God. I'm so excited to find out. All the 18-year-old boys that you know, um, we were going to do it, but we were going to change it. So we were going to make it Australian. So instead of at a pancake place, the opening scene would be at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> Oh my god! We'd be drinking god. VBs, and was it would be in the round. Was this real though? Like, were you? Was it? Was it done 100%. for comedy purposes? We, no, we thought it was the coolest idea. We were going to put it on in the round. Um, we oh were so god. excited about this idea. Every cool idea that a first year acting student has is done in the round. <laughs> <laughs> we just discovered that you can do things in the round. We're not going to do yeah. the proscenium march. We're going to. No. You're going to sit in a circle and be <laughs> the entire time you watch the play. See a, a polite face smiling at the other side. <laughs> That's very good. I'm glad that was your favorite part of the film. My favorite part was when the sassy chick with the broken car goes back to the motel um, and pretends that she's interested in John Leguizamo's character Chino and then goes to give him a blowjob and then instead bites off his dick and then instead of getting the fuck out of there, lights a cigarette and leans against the wall all sexy so that when Ving comes into the room to see what's happened, she's just chilling. <laughs> She, and he was just like, what happened here? And she was just like, he got what he deserved or something like that while she's just smoking a cigarette. It was insanity. Mish, if... That was my favourite part of the film. If if anyone listening wants to know what's this film like, should I watch this film, can you give me an encapsulation of this film, I think that you could not get any closer to the vibe of the thing than yep. it evoked... A memory of a group of 19-year-old boys doing a play, a play in the round version of Reservoir Dogs. And yeah. for you, the scene where, where <laughs> the male writer-director thought that a way a woman holds her own amongst the men is to bite off their dicks. If ever you <laughs> needed to know what this film is, that with, I would say... Just the extra layer of 20 minutes of flashbacks that you yeah. could cut and nothing would change <laughs> encapsulates this film as a whole. And yet still, still somehow managed to do it all in just an hour and 24 minutes. <laughs> could have Brilliant. done it in an hour. Also, just very quickly before we finish off, I'd like to add that there's a point where the police rock up to the motel and John Leguizamo is clearly cornered. He's going to get caught. And he's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll pretend that David Caruso, who is dead on the bed because I just smothered him, I'll pretend he's a hostage. So he goes to pick him up off the bed. Now, John Leguizamo, I'm assuming, I've not seen him in the flesh, but from what I've seen in films, quite a short man. Mm. Like not tall. David Caruso. Petite. Of average, if not tall. Like he's tall. Yes. And a bigger, bigger unit than John Leguizamo, especially John Leguizamo in 1998, where he was quite, you know. He's wiry. Wiry and petite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so John Leguizamo goes to pick up David, dead David, dead David Caruso's lifeless mm. body, um, to pretend that he's a hostage, and David Caruso just very clearly stands up for him. 
Like, so John Leguizamo goes to hold him like a dead body standing, going, I've got a hostage, I've got a hostage, pretending he's alive. Um, very clearly couldn't do that himself. So David Caruso assisted by just standing up. And they kept that in. Can I say something uh, quite mean about David Caruso? Yeah, I, I, I worry this that isn't a David. This isn't a David Caruso podcast. You can say whatever the <laughs> fuck you want about David Caruso. Uh, don't if, come at us if you're a big David Caruso fan. If you're a big fan. Caruso fan, don't come if at us. If you looked up body count on podcast apps because you wanted to listen to a pro David Caruso podcast episode, <laughs> this isn't the right one. This one is the one about one pot pasta, John Leguizamo, and bashing David Caruso. <laughs> So, wrong one, bitch. The, the vibe I have of David Caruso, right, is, you know, those people that are, like, real plain and real boring and have really boring jobs and are really kind of n- normal-looking, like, just five out of ten boring-looking, mm-hmm. that have really, really, like, stunning girlfriends. And it's yes. like, how, how did that happen? And then it's like, oh, when we went to school with them, we all thought he was like the hottest thing. Mm. I reckon that's David Caruso. He's got that vibe of like, why is he? Why is he so cool? Why does everyone think he's cool? Why yeah, does he think he's mean. cool? Like, like his uh, film opportunities and acting jobs are the metaphorical sexy girlfriend. And, yeah. and and we just look at it and I feel like someone would be like, someone from the 90s would be like, oh no, David Caruso was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a lot of women in their late 40s, early 50s that were like, oh, when I was young, um, it wasn't uh, Donny Osmond that I had a crush on, no. Mine was David Caruso. There's just like someone. Have you ever seen Body Count? <laughs> Oh, David Caruso. I just like where when did that where who where anyway, he's great. Bless him. How many Leguizamos do you give this film? <laughs> okay, so we've already established that giving a Leguizamo is not like giving a, out of five stars. It's not yeah, rating no. the film. We're rating it based on Leguizamos. Yeah. And we don't know what that means for everybody. I know what it means for me. Yeah. And Zach knows what it means for him. And you have uh, to find in your own heart what a Leguizamo yeah. means for you. Yeah. So as you tune into this podcast each week, you will discover in yourself what a Leguizamo is. Mm. And that's just for you, man. That's really beautiful. Um, so based off these factors, he was in it a lot. Yeah. Um, he was arguably the best actor in it, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, it was a traditional Leguizamo performance. Mm-hmm. Like a super tradish, uh, when you, like just very much the kind of film that he was making back in the nineties. Yeah. Um. But I found it insufferable. <laughs> so, um, uh, based on that, um, I would I would give it a solid two and a half Leguizamos. Yeah. Maybe three. Yeah. I'm actually going to go with a three. This was a three Leguizamo performance. Mish, I I can't wait to find out. Three Leguizamo film. 
I can't wait to find out whether we agree or disagree. You know, I think like it's going to be really interesting when we have when the film comes along where you give it five Leguizamos, I give it one Leguizamo. Yeah. I don't know what the ongoing thing is, um, but I'm really on you. Like maybe for different reasons. Like I think that Leguizamo's in it a lot. You're going to get that that it, it's 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 quintessential Leguizamo. He's quintessential intense. Leguizamo. He's fiery. He's Leguizamo-y, but, uh, but he's not phoning it in. He's no, he's definitely not. not. He's really giving it his all and he's making it work. Absolutely. Um, so I, I agree. Three Leguizamos out of a possible five Leguizamos. That's, that's uh, solid. That's a solid Leguizamo film. It's a and I'd s- like to reiterate that this isn't a star rating. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we, we, this, is what, this film wasn't great. <laughs> If you want, if you're like, maybe I'll watch this movie, just watch Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, if you've seen Reservoir Dogs, and rewatch Reservoir Dogs. If you want to see uh, reviews of this film that aren't just solely based around the John Leguizamo parts of the film, um, or you want to see legitimate reviews of this film, jump onto IMDb because pretty much all of them say, oh, look, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like they all say that. Um, it was pretty, pretty shit. Um, but no, solid three Leguizamos. I'm very happy with that. Now, um, each week we will usually be reading reviews of our podcast that we find on like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever reviews that you guys write in. Only five star reviews. None of this less than five star bullshit. You give us a but four, we ignore you. You yeah. are nothing to us. We ignore you, but then we call each other and cry. And we're like, what did we do? Why did we, why are they so upset with us? Why are they so mad? Um, but because this is one of the first three episodes that we'll be releasing in like a big old whack of three episodes um, to start, we don't actually have any reviews yet because you guys haven't heard any of our shit. So instead, we jumped on our Instagram, which is at MissionZach. So go follow it if you don't. And we asked the following question. Mm. What is your favorite 90s movie featuring one of the Wahlberg brothers? That's a good question. It was a good question. Um, Can all I of guess? Them se- yeah. Um, oh, oh no, I was going to say, I was going to say Sixth Sense, but then I realized that's a stupid answer. No, someone did say that. Because Don- Donnie Wahlberg's in that. Is he? Yeah, he's the skinny guy right at the start that's real scary. He lost all that that's weight. That's Donnie Wahlberg? He lost a whole bunch of weight to do that one scene and everyone's like, you didn't need to do that, man. But like, good for him. I thought someone did say that. Um, Someone actually said... Six cents. Uh, think Pierre Cher said six well, there cents. You go. And I thought that they were just being like a bit silly because, oh, yeah, okay, get it. That's a 90s movie that doesn't star a Wahlberg. No, it stars a Wahlberg right up top. Well, I would say 95% of the answers we got were Boogie Nights or oh, a reference to Mark Wahlberg's dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the big dick uh, at the end of Boogie we Nights. We got a couple of Transformers in there. Someone said The Departed, which I don't think is a 90s film. No, Transformers or the... De- so, yeah, no, you, you've not listened to the question there. You've not listened. Boogie Nights is pretty much the overwhelming answer, except my favourite of all of them was from Cosmo Bitches, mm? and they said, when they mentioned Marky Mark planting a celebrity tree in Clueless. Because that right. does happen in Clueless, and that was a fucking excellent reference, and I really enjoyed reading that answer. How great very is Clueless? Happy. Oh, so good. I watched it the other week. It's so it's still so good. I can't watch it because um, it doesn't star John Leguizamo and I'm not allowed to watch anything but Leguizamo now. Yeah, that's true. 
Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Um, I will say, however, that the Clueless soundtrack is great. It's just a great film. Really, it's just a very, really very, very notch. good film. Really top. It's notch based film. off Emma, isn't it? Yeah, one of them. Yeah, it's Emma. Yeah, yeah that one. Hmm. That's everyone great. should go and watch Clueless. Don't watch Body Count. At the end um, of this, <laughs> at the end of this, I would say my big takeaway is go watch Clueless. Yeah. I think what we should do is every time we watch a movie that neither you or I necessarily enjoyed, we should give a recommendation for a film that we actually do. Um, no, I, I could do, go through the every... No, I'm being too mean. If you, do, if you do want to watch Body Count, and if there are any of you out there that are like watching the films that we watch, firstly, weird, you don't have to do that. But secondly, awesome, watch Body Count purely just for the bit where David Caruso stands up when he's dead to help... John Leguizamo's tiny little body ripped him. <laughs> or the slow zoom onto the still image of John Leguizamo. Um, oh. The ending, like, it's like they stopped filming. It's like they stopped yeah. filming at a point and then just, like, bashed it out. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I mean by, like, three months after they wrapped, they called Ving and were like, hey, could you just come in real quick? We're just going to have you walk across a field. Towards nothing. That's the other thing. There's a road. Why aren't you walking along? The- At the end, rather than walking along the road to find, like, I don't know, hitchhike his way to Miami or wherever it is he's going to sell this artwork, he just walks to like through someone's private property. Yeah, but then <laughs> which he is went- clearly just like someone's piece of land. And I, I, and because I would have watched that footage and gone, why is he holding bullets and why is he walking into a field? Why but is his arm so they stiff added- with artwork? <laughs> luckily, they added the dialogue. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. She didn't think I'd let her shoot me, did she? Anyway, I went to Miami and sold the artwork and split it with their family, except for um, John Leguizamo, the end. Watch the film purely for the bizarre ending, because it was very strange. Very strange. I I would like to rename this film Plot. I'm going to rename it Men Yelling at Each Other. <laughs> it's very accurate. Very accurate. Um, but yeah, enjoy Body Count if you guys do watch it. Just do it legally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Mitch. No worries. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.